Week one of Growth Track is what we're diving into today. And what we're looking at is something that we hope and pray ultimately is that when you first walk through the door, try to recall that first moment you showed up at Open Life. I hope you sensed on that day that you belong. Like just from the interaction with others, it's not like, oh, what are you doing here? Like, mm, welcome, you know, or you don't fit, or, you know, there's all kinds of ways you could feel. There's all kinds of vibes you could grab, but, but ultimately we want you to grab this vibe that you belong here. In fact, you mean a lot to us when you walk through the door, and we want to pull back the curtains, if you would, as I walk off screen for our online, oh dude, our online people. Um, so we're going to dialogue through like how we got to you belonging ultimately today. We're going to look a little at this and, and it all begins at 1 Thessalonians 2.8. This passage says we love you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God but our lives as well because you had become so dear to us. Like you had become so dear to us. Do you hear that word become? Today's title is become, right? You had become so dear to us. You belong because you became so dear to us. When you feel that sense of belonging, it's because there was a people who said, I am going to embrace the fact that I'm dear to God, that this kind of love he shows me, I just don't understand. I'm not going to second guess it, but I'm in, I'm yours, I love you, God. And in turn then, I am going to move from being the person being loved to I'm going to become the person loving. I'm going to become the person who expects people to walk through the door that need that same kind of love I've experienced. I'm going to become the individual who hands out forgiveness as freely as I've received forgiveness. I can't wait to be that person. And we become that. That takes a process. That takes time, right? It's your turn to be that person, ultimately, and to consider the what it is to become that person. So, so welcome to Growth Track Week 1, right? That's what we look at is, is how to become that person. Growth Track, reminder, we said this last week, but Growth Track is the way to onboard people who are brand new at Open Life into the culture of Open Life ultimately and, and why we do what we do. Uh, it's also a way for us to realign ourselves and, and make sure, oh yeah, we are all going the same direction, and, and now what's the vision, how do we get there, and we're dialoguing through that during the course of this series, but let's jump into today. Uh, this is our mission, right? We're people leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus, and ultimately, when you sense that you belong as you're walking in for your first time, as you show up at Open Life, you are the people, right? You are the people that you sense, man, I have become so dear to people. You're, you're the people. But God raises us up once we've been loved to go from being the people to being the people. Is that confusing? right? Uh, the English language. People. No, I meant people. Oh, people? Yeah, people. 
which we mean people. It's, it's, a, it's a twist. It's a play on words. But we want you to become the people leading people and show you, like, what does that look like? How, does, how is this involved? What elements does it take? And ultimately, in these three weeks, we're going to look at what it takes to become this people. What do we see that looking like? The next three weeks, we'll walk through these elements. But today, we're looking at going from there to there, people. What does it look like to be the people? 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, all of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. All of us. We all belong to one another. So we, as leaders of the church, we have a responsibility to help you grow your relationship with Jesus so that you, in turn, can connect with God and each other, so that you can serve God and each other, so that you can share your life with God and each other. That's what we're opening up a dialogue about and looking at here. I love the way Ephesians 4 describes it and just really spells it out for us in verse 11 through 16. This passage shows us why each of us is here. And how each of us has a role. It says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people. That's all of us, right? All of you. To do his work and build up the church. The body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God God's Son, that we all mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. There is a, a standard he wants us to live up to, right? Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Don't we live in that world? Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Isn't that Gorgeous how that spells it out, our responsibility and how we reach this fullness of love and people become dear to us and we become the people, allowing people to become dear. That's our prayer in this series, is that we become the people leading people in a growing relationship with Jesus. So how do you become one who allows people to become dear to you? Like, how do we get to this point? Well, I think you can actually metric your growth in relationship with Jesus. I, I would... I would challenge you that you could if you took these three areas of your life, connecting, serving, and sharing with God and each other, if you scored those or scaled those on a scale of 1 to 10, and you're like, on a scale of 1 to 10, how are you doing it connecting with God? How are you doing it connecting with each other? Well, on a scale of 1 to 10, how are you doing it serving God? How are you doing it serving each other? How are you doing it sharing your life, your time, talents, your treasures with, with God and each other? And if you, if you scored that out, you might, you might say, I'm, honestly, I'm not doing too well at connecting with each other. And so I'm only at like a 3 there. Then our responsibility, Ephesians 11, right? Or Ephesians 4, 12 there. Our responsibility is to help you go from a 3 to a 4. 
But it's not our responsibility as like an organization called the church. It's our responsibility as the church, people, to be able to sharpen each other in our relationship with Jesus. That's the goal God laid out. So our big idea today is become the people. Become the people. It's called the body or the bride of Christ, right? Let's look at this body as like a, a family unit, a family body. And, and we want to become a member of the open life family, which means there's a certain DNA or way God has influenced us to go about this thing of becoming the people that lead the people. Um, Ultimately, you are designed to fit into the body, but finding your unique fit and developing your strengths and gifts are what we're looking at in these four weeks to where we're not putting a square peg in a round hole or a round peg in a square hole, but we're helping you find your best fit, the place you're most fulfilled. Um, kind of the, the flavor of open life comes out of even how we began this whole thing like called open life started ultimately a little over nine years ago or 10 years ago, exactly 10 years ago, I should say, is when we said yes to God. Um, and that was an idea presented that there was a church closing in Bonnie Lake and there was this multiplication network for the Northwest Ministry Network of the Assemblies of God that came out and said, hey, we're closing a church that has died in Bonnie Lake, and we just don't feel good about leaving Bonnie Lake without a church that's going to reach people who are far from God. That's the exact language they used with us in a room, a bunch of leaders and pastors and board members and at the church we were youth pastors at. And I went into that meeting fulfilling a duty to the pastor of the church. I in no way thought that uh, we were going to start a church out of that meeting, but as that was said, and as they were like, you know, what good is it to talk about what a church would look like in Bonnie Lake unless we have a who would start a church in Bonnie Lake? And it was like something woke up inside of me. And the Holy Spirit didn't only reveal it to me, showed it to everybody in that room. And we walked out of a room, I say we, me, I walked out of a room knowing we were going to start a church in Bonnie Lake. I was pretty sure. I was about 80% there. I got nervous later and I was like, you know, I do need to pray about this because they voted to do it. I was like freaking out. Come home. Hey, Dana, um, we had people at our house, which we always, we have this open door, right? Uh, for those who went to ladies retreat, I think they said loose hinges. Is that what Dana said? So um, just the, ultimately we had a, an open door and we had some friends there at our house and I I said, you know, I walked in, and they're like, oh, how was your board meeting? I was like, great, <laughs> we're going to start a church. And Dana about died, passed out. And, uh, and so this prayer journey began, and we started to think, what does this look like, or are we called to do this? And sure enough, um, we ended up saying, yes, there's more to the story, but we don't have time for that today, ultimately. And uh, we, we get to this point where we undeniably know God wants this thing called uh, a church that would go after those who are far from God to begin. And in fact, God started shaping this vision and, and showing us the, the vision of lost sheep and, and the shepherd leaving the 99 to save the one. And we said, not only do we need to start a church, we need to leave 
the 99 so that we can start reaching and finding those lost sheep, the ones, like all those who are dear to God. And so building upon 1 Thessalonians 2.8, we start forming this thing called open life that began in 2009 in our front room and 2010, we launched in the Regal Theater with gatherings. And 2011, we actually started meeting in schools. In fact, this week, eight years ago, we bought the trailer to become mobile from the theater. Uh, the original, one of the original drivers, Jeff Graham, posted on his Facebook memories this week, picking up the trailer. I was like, no way, that is so crazy because I'm telling the church's story within the talk. So it's just seeing those things and what God was doing in so many people's hearts to reach people who didn't know Jesus in our community. 80,000 plus people within the 10 mile radius at the time. Now there's lots of tens of more thousands of people. But ultimately, still that 88% of our community does not have a growing relationship with Jesus. And that should wreck us. Because the hope we hold, maybe you haven't yet made that decision to cross the line of faith and follow Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But man, if you have, you have a life inside of you and a hope inside of you that everyone around you is desperate for. And to hold on to that and not share it is mean. <laughs> so how can we become those that wouldn't hold this incredible news to ourselves. That's where this comes into play. And we're going to walk through these cultures that I think we could awake within us that'll help us become people leading people. The first culture is we help people experience Jesus. Be a people who help people experience Jesus, right? You don't start a church to fabricate and make a bunch of church people. You start a church so that you can lead people to Jesus and raise them up in a growing relationship with him. So that's what we're all about, right? Everything we do, the reason for everything that flows out of open life is so people can experience Jesus. And in all kinds of different ways, and it's a beautiful expression to the world, ultimately the most clear expression of Jesus to the world is you. Like you are, as one of my mentors called gro growing in ministry, you are Jesus with skin on. That's your role. Your neighbor to your neighbor, that's your role to your coworker, to your family. The way you love and serve people is the way they interpret Jesus. So when somebody proclaiming to be a Christian is really awful at the love and serve part, it puts this weird flavor in the mouth of the world around us, doesn't it? And it's like, that's a Christian? You probably hear that in different contexts here and there. We're going to do things like backpack programs and school supply drives and, and buying iPods for somebody who needs to meter their their uh, glucose levels and talk to machines and, and so that they can stay in school. We're going to do giveaways and we're going to serve at community summits and we're going to show up at our neighborhood cleanup events and we're going to do all kinds of things to be loving and serving so that people could ask, why do you do this? Not so that they ask, but the reality is they will ask, why? Man, 
I was loved and served, and so I want to love and serve. See, because save people, save people, right? It's just something that happens in us. And we all have these strengths that make us just wire and serve and love the world around us. It says it this way in 1 Peter 4.10, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ, all glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. God wants everything you do to bring glory to God through Jesus Christ, to help people experience Jesus through everything you do. So that's what we do. We'll be expressive in our worship because we want people to experience Jesus. Man, we're going to be experiential in, in our, in, and not just... Welcome today to open life. Not that we're being showy. We just want to express to you the life that comes through a relationship with Jesus. We'll give people a chance and a second chance and 77 chances and love them and extend the grace of God to them because we lead with grace and then truth, right? We want people to invite Jesus into their life. That's why we provide an opportunity weekly, a challenge to cross that line of faith, to, to choose to follow Jesus. We're going to go to the ends of the earth, literally the ends of the earth on missions trips every year so that people can hear about the hope they have in the Son of God, Jesus. And we're going to empower churches and missionaries and culture number two. We're present with our community. Jeremiah 29.7 gives a challenge. It says, Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. So we're supposed to be the best at praying for our city. It says, you know, it says settle down around that verse in Jeremiah. It says settle down, you know, plant gardens, give your daughters away in marriage to one another, help reestablish the community. That's our role in the city. We're supposed to build roots and be about our community, thriving and inserting ourselves into the culture and being present shoulder to shoulder with those around us in the good and in the bad. Maybe it's being opportunistic would be a way to word it. To where we're there ready to serve when there's need. And I think this is something that we do individually and corporately. To where we take moments and we can be out there and, and represent ourselves as Jesus' followers to the community. And they see the way we serve genuinely. Not out of compulsion. Not to earn our way into right relationship with God because that's by faith alone but just to be present with the community and show them the unconditional love of God that should be active in our core if there's a significant moment in the community I love that we're there be it a groundbreaking at a school or a distribution of food at Thanksgiving or school supplies during the summer we're there 
I want you to be motivated by a phrase that I've been motivated for the last 10 years that just wrecked me. It bothered me the first time I heard it. But this is the question. If our church ceased to exist within our community two weeks from today, if we close the doors two weeks from today, who would miss us? And when we started this church, we asked the community, what is the church doing right now? Like, in the community, where, where, where is the church needed? What is the church doing? And, and I remember the silence from the mayor and the city planner and, and the city administrator. And, and, and there was just silence. They had no idea what the church was doing. The church wasn't doing anything that meant anything to them at the time. And it bothered me. In fact, it was like I'm motivated by like the negative at times. So I was just like going, or I was mad. I was indignant. I was like, give me some tables to flip over. I was just right at that spot. I came home so mad and then sad. That they couldn't come up with anything other than the uh, church being involved with Boy Scouts and they do the colors at like city events every once in a while. I was like, are you kidding? That's all you can come up with? That's Jesus' love to the community? I was just blown away and I, I know that's changed <laughs> now. The open life does find ourselves in the fabric of culture. We don't find ourselves casting a line from the edge of culture trying to like reach people and reel them in. We, we've, we've walked into the heart of the culture and we're leading from the center. And we're loving people around us. And that's being a witness for Jesus right in the heart of our community. And that has propelled us forward. Man, Things like 100% of school supplies to Liberty Ridge Elementary School. That's propelled us. Or when we remodeled their uh, teacher's lounge with the incredible guidance of Danny. That was awesome. And then when we replaced the windows of Peekabrew, which preceded that. That was like one of the first things we got known for. And you're like, what's Peekabrew? Different story, different time. Uh, you know... Uh, serving as chamber president or summits, guiding, helping lead summits in the Sumner School District and the White River School District, and, and to where bringing nonprofits and community leaders together to brainstorm how to meet the needs of people and emceeing events and speaking at events. And, and then we're serving schools and you're serving meals in communities and, and we're loving on people in our own certain way and place and watching your organizations become involved with events like Community Big Give and all. It's just put us right in the fabric of culture, so much so that when a new organization comes into the city and they're like, we want to get connected, they're told by the city, the business, the schools, you got to go connect with Open Life because they'll help you get connected in the community. It's, but that's not, that wasn't our goal. Our goal was to love people, help people experience Jesus and do it at the center of culture, and now God has blessed it present with our community. Culture number three, we're generous. And it kind of goes to our presence in the community as well, ultimately. But we're generous with our whole life. We're not withholding things. We're not it just, uh, you know, hoarding our time, talents, and treasures. We are generous. God gives us so much. The best thing we can do is give it away. We can't outgive God. 
whether it's with our time in serving, whether it's with our finances, whether it's with our talents. Like get, God gives us the strengths we have for a reason so that he can encourage others with those same strengths. He gives you your story and your weaknesses so that you can reach others with those same stories and weaknesses. God has a plan for your pain and he has a plan for your prosperity. He wants us to surrender our heart to him so that he can mold and use that. 1 Timothy 6.10 says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people craving money have wandered from true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Not that money is the root of all kinds of evil, but the love of it is. Where's our generosity meter, right? 1 Timothy 6.17 says, Teach those who are rich in the world, that's all of us in America, even if we're homeless, not to be proud, not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works, generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. Isn't that what we want? Is to experience life to the full, true life? God doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. He wants your surrender to every room of your life. Open up the doors and invite him in. Before giving was an instruction, it was an act of worship. And you can read throughout Old Testament scripture, people would bring their gifts to God as an act of worship or a meal that they are preparing or whatever. And, and then God was like, here's the rule I'm going to put in place is I want you to surrender the first tenth of everything you make. And the Bible word for that is tithe. And, and so people would bring their tithe into the storehouse or the, or the church would nowadays. And they would bring their gift to the Lord as an act of worship to glorify God. But what it was doing spiritually was releasing their heart from the bondage of love of money. Like we know that now on this side of things, you can see that release I've experienced that personally. I was, it doesn't seem like a lot, but it was when I was 20. To be $27,000 in debt felt like I had no life and should end it. And I remember having those thoughts and thinking that way and just going, there. I'll never get out from this. It's just getting larger. I was making minimum payments on debts, and they were just growing. If you make the minimum payment, it's miserable. And so I was there. I had no plan to get out. I just knew I started showing up at church and I found out that there was this opportunity to, to change the way I operated financially and surrender my finances to God. And all of a sudden, a couple years later, I have four to be exact, I was completely out of debt. And I was, the first step was just I started tithing. I, I couldn't afford it <laughs> ultimately because I was $27,000 in debt. But I started, and God took this release off my shoulders. He knew. He knew we need that. And we, we want the same for you. 
Same with your time. We want that release. When you, when you serve, it's like you get time back. When you do devotions and prayer first thing in the morning, it's like there's more hours of the day. When we surrender every room of our life to God, it's like he expands it, and it makes no sense on paper. He just blesses us. Um, said I was going to pull back the curtain, so I'll go, I'll, I'll go pull back the curtain on, on open life, right? Because I think... There's still, I mean, we're so open about finances at Open Life. It's not like weird to talk about finances here. It's a part of our life that we all talk about when we're together. So we don't find it weird. If, that, if you've been in a church where they think it's weird to talk about money, that's not Open Life. We want to we help you with that. Um, but Open Life finances, like how do we work finances, is interesting. Pulling back the curtain on that. Open Life, we believe... It's God's will for everybody to, to give 10%. We, we're not going to change scripture. That's a challenge we have in the Old Testament, the New Testament. Jesus came to fulfill it, right? And so uh, we do challenge people, if they've never done it before, take the 90-day tithe challenge. It's, always, it's on the next steps right now. It's, it's always on the giving screen. If you scroll down, you can kind of read about giving and what a 90-day tithe challenge is. It's like put God to the test. There's a passage that says that in Malachi. Put God to the test and see if he doesn't open up the floodgates of blessing. And he doesn't put a deadline on it. We just kind of do that to help you make the leap and discover the release that comes from surrendering your finances to God. But when you give beyond 10% and generosity kicks in kind of when you go beyond the minimum, all kinds of things wake up. And, and it, but it's hard to imagine a church that averages about 130 people or so right now, 35, depending on the month or the week. We, um, we as Open Life, uh, in 2018, we gave $187,000. Like, that's how much comes in when we give at the end of service and those envelopes are online or texting. That was a 29% increase from 2017. And uh, it, it, it's funny, because when we were talking about that number, uh, the, the other day, we realized, man, there's households that make more than that. Like, we have done well with $187,000 as our annual income that we then partition out to all the expenses it takes to do a business, a nonprofit business, which a church is, right? And, uh, and so how do we do that? How do we project a future budget? We do it modestly. So we had a 28% increase last year. So we budgeted a 10% increase this year. We're at 18% increased right now, which is awesome. We're ahead of budget. So thank you, Lord. But our budget is not our goal budget. Like, we could use more and we would put it to great use in the name of Jesus. So, uh, that to say, but $16,500 a month is kind of what we hold ourselves to in 2019. That's where we're working from. And what does that go to? We say it every week, but the first 10% goes back to God. That's tithing, right? So, why would we ask you to do something as an individual we weren't willing to do as a church. So we set 10% aside to whatever strategic effort we're talking about that month. This month we're talking about open life. So we set 10% aside. We're talking about the 90% this month. So where does the other percentage go? 27% goes to operation. That's like all this. You rent the school. You, you have cases. We just replaced all the wheels because they were 
nine years old or eight years old, you know. It's like there's, this is like the third time we've replaced them. There's certain wear and tear operations, the programs, the app, the, uh, the programs we depend on are within operations, like the digital programs. But then we set aside 8% for ministry. That's the supplies that, for children and the coffee you drink, the books you get handed. If you're a first-time guest, grab a Love's Dust books today. We want to bless you with that, you know. Um, it's the, the projector. It's all the stuff ministry-wise that we, batteries for microphones, like the one I'm using right now. All that stuff is ministry expense and operational kind of combined. 51% goes to personnel. And right now we have one, two, three, four, five of us on staff that are compensated at either anywhere from uh, five hours a week to 40 hours a week. So very, you know, we, we spread this money way out. And then the final 4%, 2% goes to future fund. Like that's what's coming next. That's making a very serious improvement for the sake of the future. 2% goes to reserves. That's the savings. Rainy day fund. That's how we distribute your generosity. We think we're challenging you to be generous and a wise steward. We want to be a wise steward. But that's what, here's what's beautiful about this is we're so stinking generous in our community. Way beyond churches with million-dollar budgets. That's not what we compare to. That's not why we're generous. But that we've decided to set that first 10% aside, and then we give designated funds above and beyond the 187000 This community just is shocked by our generosity in foster care, in hunger, in relief, in the areas of you know, supporting missionaries so we can reach unreached people groups. I mean, God has blessed us so that we could be generous for so many others. So I just want to say thank you for your generosity. And if you've never taken the leap to be generous financially, we're going to challenge you to do that. I mean, that's part of sharing. We'll talk more kind of detailed on that in three weeks, but I just, I challenge you or two weeks actually. Open up that area of your life. Open up the area of your time to serve. I mean, these are all interconnected to our values, right? We'll keep going. Culture four, we're uncomplicated. What is that one? That's kind of interesting, isn't it? We're uncomplicated, or we're simple. We wanted to simplify. It's never healthy to be about what you're not about, but that's kind of this one, right? Um, for too long in ministry and in churches, from generation to generation, we would say whoever gets the most time wins, right? So we could schedule you every day of the week, morning, noon, night. If you want to follow Jesus, you're at church, morning, noon, and night, all the time. And then your neighbors didn't know you, and you didn't know your neighbors. You skipped out on work uh, quickly. And you didn't get to hang out with coworkers afterwards and develop in, in critical relationships to be able to be a light to their world and Jesus' love and presence there. You know, we just, the model kind of was a little backwards and broken and you, you'd make a decision to follow Jesus and lose all your friends. That's not God's goal. He wants you to bring all your friends along on this journey of faith with you. 
He wants you to know your neighbors. The first time we sat in our driveway with a bonfire handing out candy at Halloween and hearing them talk bad about all the Christians that were off doing trunker outreach treat things and, and not at their houses on Halloween, I deeply had a conviction in my life that I would never ask neighbors to not be at their house or ask people a part of our church to not be at their house on Halloween. I was like, that's the very place they need to be, meeting their neighbors and having conversations and be a light, do something creative, you know? Um, we wanted to uncomplicate life and we ultimately found a couple words, this will be new info for all of us, that we think describe uh, clearly how, to, how we've simplified. We believe the ways we can grow are, are twofold. We grow around stages and we grow around tables. What does that mean? Um, oftentimes, the inspiration we get is in a moment like this. You're, I'm in a stage, you're in rows, right? And we, there's times for this. The ladies' retreat, you just guys came back from a moment like that, and it's like, we're inspiring you. We're teaching. We're talking to. We're trying to raise up a conviction and a response. And, and so we do grow in an environment like this. Certain people grow here better than around tables or circles where we're interacting and having conversations. But God longs for both, and we said, man, we're going to be about those two spaces, right? Maybe you would say services and groups, but even expand that, stages and tables. So we do things that serve both of those. We'll, we, need, we need volunteers to serve on serve teams so we can pull off the moments where we're like this. It takes people that count offerings and check kids in and serve in kids' areas. And we uncomplicate that process by having the goal that volunteers would only serve once a month. To where nobody would burn out. It used to be that, man, if you say yes to volunteer, it's the rest of your life until you die. You know, it's like you're serving the rest of your life and you'll never see the light of day. That's your room. Bye-bye. You know, have a good life. I'll check in in a couple of years. Uh, no, but we don't do that. We, we use programming uh, to where we can schedule you. And, and if we get you on a rotation, that's what's amazing. Yeah, I'll serve the first Sunday of every month. I'll serve the second Sunday. I'm going to block it out on my calendar. And unless something weird happens, I'll be there, you know. And that's amazing. Now, that's the goal, Right? We want to double the amount of volunteers we have on serve teams because that would make that goal a reality. But we have more that we want to do to make this experience the best so that people walking through the door, the people walking through the door feel served well and feel like they've become dear, like greeters outside. We need more greeters than just somebody handing out you know, the program. We need greeters welcoming people when they get out of their car and they're looking where do I get into this building, right? Signage can only go so far. We need more people serving in our kids' spaces. In fact, we're experimenting with nursery toddler age because we realized even last week in preschool we have like 14 kindergartners going up to elementary and we got panicked because that's like, wow, elementary 45, that'd be a lot of kids. Dear Jesus. So, you know, it's like, you know, we always need more people engaging and serving and and we love kids and those are stage environments and group environments that they're having up there as well tables represents the circles right groups 
something happens when we open up a, a, a meal and just share a meal with one another. Whether it's one-on-one or multiple families together. And something new we were, we're really feeling challenged to do. Group leaders are going to like go, nice. Uh, it's really this week we've started this dialogue where we're like, what, we think we need to end a season that we've been in of group culture where we only have sessions of groups. And we need to go more to a free market system of saying, I'm ready to start a group, so, so uh, anybody who wants to join can join, and here's when we're launching, and here's seasons that would be natural for on-ramp, and more people could join the group, because when you walk through the door, we want you to find tables you could sit around and find people, and it doesn't always fit in fall, winter, and spring sessions, right? More on that, I'm not going to get in the weeds on that, but it's a bit of a, a press release right there that the day of sessions of groups is is going to fade away, and we're going to go to more of a, oh, you got a group that wants to launch mid-March? Let's do it. Right now, we're toying. We surveyed guys, like, when would you be available for men's groups? We're just needing the leaders that can lead those groups, and, and we're going to launch them. We know when to launch them. So, all kinds of stuff that we can launch outside of the restriction of sessions. And, and uh, Culture 5, we're genuine. We're genuine. What does that mean? It just means like you don't have to put on like a fake when you come to church. Oh, t- church, got to get all cleaned up or I got to be good before I come. You know, people have that misconception. Well, as soon as I clean my life up, I'll show up. <laughs> you know? No, 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 that's the exact opposite. Like come right where you're at. We run into the mess, right? We run towards the need. We love serving those who have need. And this is, I, I not only want to share genuinely here from a stage, like when you're sitting in rows, but we share genuinely when we're in circles. So the same thing you get here is the same thing you get there, whether we're at stages or tables. There's not a facade. It's the same conversation. And I, I would pray, and I believe that like one of the reasons we even launched into the ministry called Reengage for Married Couples that just started the closed group session. It's uh, um, uh, last Sunday. The next one's going to launch August 18th. So mark your calendar. If you're married, every married couple should do Reengage. There's, we believe that. But one of the coolest things about that, that marriage ministry is its authenticity. It's the most genuine ministry. It just works with our culture. And I, I, the world around us can sniff out a facade, so we don't need to fake how our life is. We want to celebrate when it's time to celebrate. We want to mourn when it's time to mourn. We want to walk th- through the roughness with you. Don't hide your pain or sin. Confess it to one another, and let's fight these battles together. Not alone. We're genuine. Final culture. We have fun. This is one, like, I know John 10.10 says, Jesus has come that we may have life. It says, the thief's purpose is to still kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. And we know that, that you put it out there and you go, man, uh, that sounds funny to say. You're fun. Well, okay, well, I guess you think you're fun. 
that was actually labeled to us. Like this is one of those values that people told us was our value. And we were like, oh, I guess it's our value. Wherever we went, people were like, hey, maybe it's that we have a DJ at Big Give, you know? So we're like hopping top 100 tracks out there and, and doing choreography while handing out food. They'd just never done that before. Or we we're showing up to like celebration events in the community and laughing. And, and we tell jokes and make fun of ourselves here and laugh. And people are just like, you know, you guys are fun, you know? And, well, what did you think the church was going to be? Well, I thought they were going to protest and be against me. No, we're for people. We're for our city. We're for our community. That wouldn't fit, right? And so uh, this whole culture of having fun just caught, and it's like life has a way of overwhelming us. We want to bring the joy and peace of mind so that we can experience life to the full. That comes out of the relationship with Jesus that we have. So when we do stuff, we're going to intentionally think, man, how can we have fun? How can we do this? We're going to make funny videos at Christmas and throw them up on the screen, whether it's a lip sync battle or eating hot wings. You know, we're just going to do something silly and have fun. And uh, it's okay to laugh even when we're going through a battle. Re-engage with these marriage. You know, it's, it's awkward some of the things we talk about, but we laugh at them, right? We can make fun of our marriages. It works, and we can laugh at ourselves. So I hope that when you walk through the door, you sense you belong, that you can laugh at your own pain at times, but yet that you have people to comfort you in it as well, that they were attached. So here's where the action point, become a member. Like become an active member of the family. And that's why there's a card on the seat that you're sitting on. And it's also, there's a link if you're filling out the online version on the app, but we want you to take this card and pray about it. And maybe some of you are all in already and you're, yeah, I tick all those boxes, but what is membership? Like, what, why, why do churches talk about it? Well, there's two reasons. One, membership here is more about participation than proclamation. You know, it's not like, yeah, I'm going to be a member, but then we don't do any of the things members do. That's not, we, didn't, we don't do that. We're more like, we want to know you're leaning in so we can empower you to be in the most fulfilling space of serving possible. Whether it be at your school, whether it be at your work, whether it be here at Open Life, we want to help you grow your relationship with Jesus. And this is the way we can see how, right? Metric out your growth. And so there's different things here that you can read about, like this is what membership means to us. This is what this, this series means, and Growth Track helps people understand what is it to be a member of a body. First and foremost, it's saying this is where I'm going to grow as a family. This is where I'm going to grow in my relationship with Jesus and the relationship with Jesus I invite people into that are around me. And it's, I commit to the mission of open life to be a, one who leads people into a growing relationship with Jesus, right? I'm going to model Jesus. I'm going to be Jesus with skin on, if you would. I'm going to model Jesus around me. I commit to build the culture of open life, exactly what we've just talked about today. And then we'll hit on next week. I commit to connecting with God and others. And we'll be heavy on the how do you grow that connection with God next week. You know, I'm going to be active in my faith. I'm going to be inviting and loving people around me. To, to I'm going to be serving. Um, I'm going to be a part of groups. I'm going to grow the connection with each other. 
I'm gonna be welcoming to guests when they walk through the door. Whether I'm scheduled to be hospitality or I'm sitting here, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say hello to people around me. I'm gonna to commit to serving God and each other. I'm gonna sign up on a serve team. I'm gonna join a serve team. I'm gonna use my talents wherever they fit. If you take pictures, increase our presence and pictures online, whatever. There's, there's ways to use your gifts and talents and for God's glory. And then I commit to sharing with God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be one who shares my time generously, my, my giving. I'm going to be one who shares my story, my life with others. And I want to just pause. We're going to pray. Worship team's going to vamp on a song here, and we're going to end a couple minutes late because right now is when we should close. But I want us to dwell on these cultures and say, God, where do I need to open up my heart on all these things? That's like a microwave version of it, like shotgun to the face amount of content today. So this will be online if you want to go back and watch it. But I want to pray for you. And I want you to seriously consider this. Like I'm going to be a member of the body because we want to empower members to lead people. To, to reach more people as a church, it has to decentralize from this numerical reality we are as a church empowering you to lead so we want to know who's leading and that you fit the culture and dna of what god is blessing in this church and we want to fan it into flame in your life so god i thank you for everybody that's here and we hold these membership cards in our hand and it's it's one of those things that lord we we need to surrender our life in so many rooms of our life and i just pray that god you would Meet us wherever we're at and help us see the areas we can grow. Especially in the coming weeks as we open up the, uh, looking at what it is to connect with you and each other and serve you and each other and, and share our lives with you and even cross some of those tensions we're processing in our life. Lord, I pray that God, you'll awaken something within us to understand we're a family, like we belong to one another. Let's enrich one another's lives, serve one another unconditionally, and watch that represent Jesus to the world around us. And that we would invite everyone in. They belong already. They're becoming so dear to us as we understand that we've become so dear to you. Challenge us today as we pursue you in Jesus' name. Amen. Worship team, go ahead, man.